This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome back, or welcome on board for the first time if this is your maiden voyage with my new podcast. I'm Dan McNeil, and this is the Danny Mac Podcast on Bet Rivers. We're doing this twice a week during the football season. Very excited we are there on the calendar and lots of NFL notes, including Bears, to get you through today. Uh, A real sad item in the news regarding youth football in America transpiring late last week, and there's news on that today, plus something fun for the end of the week uh, that I want to tease in just a little bit as well. I get a lot of help from you listeners on both Facebook and Twitter, and I was delighted by the volume of support North Dallas 40 and The Longest Yard with Burt Reynolds, the original The Longest Yard, we're getting when I asked people yesterday, what is your favorite football movie? That's going to be the focus of my next podcast in a couple of days. But we get on to what I want to do today, and that is right out of the gate, what did we learn in the Bears' win over the Seahawks this past Thursday night at Lumen Field in King County, Washington? There were a few positives you take out of something like that. But what I was so tickled by on Thursday night and again Friday morning, I guess tickled might not be the best choice of of words there. It amuses me to see after a preseason scrimmage against another really bad football team, the volume of Matt Nagy bashing that came out. Uh, everywhere I looked when Bears fans were commenting on the game, there were comments about how Matt Nagy never did this for Justin Fields. Boy, what a difference a year makes when you get somebody in there to call plays who actually knows what he's doing. And Luke Getz, he's already proved he's a better play caller than Matt. Pump the brakes, Bears fans. Relax. God, it's, it's a preseason date. And I would challenge anybody who would suggest Getzey was doing things radically different than Nagy did last year for Fields in his first season. He was throwing on the run because he was flushed out of the pocket. The Bears had a decent first drive with Fields under center, but when he did have to, when he did throw the ball, he was under pretty good duress and had no choice but throw on the move. I thought it was very similar in that he was setting up in the pocket in such, you know, a small number, small sample size, as we say in in radio, um, to really have much of a gauge to go on for for fields. Uh, But uh, 
the Matt Nagy, and I'm not going to tell you Nagy was a good coach. He wasn't. Ultimately, he got what he deserved, shown the door. His tenure was was uneventful after a terrific first year, the magical year of 2018. But there were some positives that came out of, of that preseason scrimmage, and I never am going to reference the, the numbers on the scoreboard at the end, uh, although I already have. I think I've mentioned the score once. What was key for me was to get a feel for what Tevin Jenkins looks like at right guard. The the second-year player, um, not really finding his way last year, moved around a lot. That's been the history of the Bears in so many recent regimes, not knowing where guys fit in, even when they're drafted high, like Kyle Long was. Is he going to play guard? Is he going to play tackle? And there's been a lot of talk about Tevin Jenkins early in his career. What is he? Well, they move him to right guard by necessity, and he quits himself quite nicely. Uh, that first half was a very good tape, even though it's not tape, it's all digital, but it's a very good tape for number 76 on the Bears. And I thought Larry Borum playing right tackle uh, to his side was very effective as well. They got decent push when they ran that way. They protected well. They set up well and stood their ground. Uh, you got a couple of good arm extensions out of the tackle, Borum, and giving good separation between his base and the pass rusher. I thought they did quite nicely, and I just making sure I wasn't seeing things. I texted Tom Thayer. Uh, who played on the 85 Bears, been doing Bears radio for more than 20 years, and he's a buddy, and I said, is this, is, this, is this right? Did they have a really good first half like I thought they did? It seemed to me they won every battle, and he said, no, they were very good, very, very good, and I think there's, there's reason to be encouraged by that because if you're counting on guys like Riley Reef this year, you are going to have yourself a problem, and that's why it's pretty critical for the fifth-round rookie Braxton Jones out of Southern Utah on the left side to show he can play at this level because Riley Reef is on his fourth team in 11 years. If you told me in 2012, Riley Reef Sabera say, hell yeah, you're all right now. You're all, you know, I was wrong. I was wrong when he was coming out of Iowa. That was the year the Bears drafted Shea McClellan at 19. I was screaming, get Reef. Get DeCastro. David DeCastro, the Steelers, wound up taking him a couple of picks after the Bears got themselves the kid from Boise State, and he had a nice career. But Reef doesn't expect to be – I don't expect much out of the guy this year. Lucas Patrick brought in to play center, uh, still not participating because of a broken thumb. And when he does come back, what do they do with him? Do they move him to guard? Or do they now feel Jenkins is kind of settled there and you just, you know, you wait and see how it goes with Sam Mustafer, who doesn't inspire confidence from many Bears observers, but uh, some others that tell you it's way too early in the game to, to call. As it is with this group on the right side, too, Jenkins and Borum. I'm not telling you they are going to solidify the right side of the Bears offensive line for the next half a de- you know, dozen years. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it was a good dress rehearsal for those two, and that's one of the most important things on this football team right now is to get settled up front. Find some confidence for Getsy to do creative things with Justin Fields early and often and not rely so much on trying to set up short yardage with a running game. 
um, be able to do both. And there was an inside run uh, on that first Bears series. That was just a coach's dream. When you sat down and look at that afterward and hit rewind and hit re- rewind, the one carry, I think it was the only carry Khalil Herbert had on the night, went for seven yards, okay? Nothing that's going to make a highlight reel. But when you evaluate offensive line play, that was textbook. They got a great double team on the nose. The backside did its job. That was a really good-looking little inside run for seven yards. And it's those type of things that are the reason you watch preseason football. If you can watch preseason football. And and I can because I love the game. Number two, Valus Jones Jr., the third-round pick out of Tennessee, sparkled as a return man. Uh, opening kickoff, he takes a 31-yard. He does lay it on the ground, but it was a nice 31-yard return. He later had a 48-yard punt return that set up a Bears touchdown and I, I thought was really, really explosive. And that could be huge for the Bears this year because they're going to struggle to find ways consistently to put points on the board. So I think if you can get a return man to flip the field a little bit for your young, seemingly very challenged offense, that can be huge. Uh, Valus Jones was the co-special teams player of the year in his last year at Tennessee a year ago. He's trying to earn some time as a receiver. He should get some but if the regulars return healthy, I don't expect that to be one of their first two or three options. When you get uh, a return from Nikhil Harry, um, a Patriots cast off, you know, a, a late first round pick four years ago who's done very, very little in his NFL career. And also whatever you might get out of Byron Pringle, the former chief, expectations are higher for Pringle. But... Um, I, I'm not so sure Valus Jones is going to get a ton of opportunities. And, of course, you have Darnell Mooney still very high uh, ahead of those guys on the list. Now, the big story going into this final preseason scrimmage against Cleveland this coming weekend is Roquan Smith's return. Smith returns and says he's going to bite the bullet and take the final year of his rookie contract, the fifth-year option, which pays him Almost $10 million. The Georgia product described the process as distasteful. It wasn't what I anticipated, nor what I expected from the situation. I'm going to take it and run with it and bet on myself. Negotiations are over right now. Uh, Roquan Smith is a terrific tackles guy. In his first four years, he's done everything you expect from an inside backer. Now, Matt Eberflus is going to move him to Will, um, weak side linebacker, where he can better demonstrate his quickness, sideline to sideline speed, play in space, as football jargon would tell you. Um, th- this was an awful, awful PR move on, on Smith's part this year. I think fans are put off by this. Even even casual fans know how silly it is to not have representation, and of course it's distasteful because they're going to remind you when you sit down with them face-to-face that you have forced only one fumble in your first four years. Let him tell, let the organizations tell the agents that. That's the smart way to handle these things. You don't want to be 
You know, because it's so personal to these guys who are so young and for so many years, football being the only thing that really has mattered in their universe. You want to take that 25-year-old guy and sit him down and tell him why you're not paying him anywhere close to what Darius Shaq Leonard of the Colts makes? He doesn't deserve it. Same number of years in the league, Leonard has been radically more productive, decidedly more impressive in all the ways that get you top-end money at that position. So Roquan Smith, um, last year of his deal, where it goes in the offseason, who knows? If he has the type of year that makes you reconsider, well, maybe he is one of the best five linebackers in the NFL. Maybe the Bears get him to a long-term deal, but it seems like there is a real bad taste in his mouth. That's why he used distasteful as an adjective to describe the whole uh, experience. Just uh, not smart. And uh, I I hope he at least can shelve that for the short term, be a good teammate. I suspect he will, because usually when you get on the line, that's that's all that matters to those guys is uh, is winning and playing at your absolute best. Uh, Best. Jaquan Brisker, the second round pick out of Penn State, uh, coming in to play box safety for the Bears. He's going to be the ball hawk they've missed in recent years back there, wearing jersey number nine. Uh, not going to be a part of this week's game against Cleveland. In fact, his return for the opener on Sunday, September 11, against the San Francisco 49ers is questionable right now. He had surgery on his thumb. Not a serious procedure, but the kind that could probably keep him uh, out or at least playing with a club on that hand for the first couple of games. That's going to be something to watch. Expectations are very, very high. For this kid, more than anybody in the recent draft class, I think Jaquan Brisker has had a lot of people say, hey, yeah, this this could be a guy who's going to help this team out. Now, if you can get that to be reality and you can get Valus Jones Jr., uh, the return man I just talked about to be productive and you get the left tackle Braxton Jones playing at an acceptable level and it's easy to look stupid and inexperienced at left tackle when you're a pro in your first year. Then you got something. You got something going. So those are those are Bears Nuggets. Oh, and I failed to mention, there's going to be a new field brought in by the opener. It took the soccer team, the Chicago Fire, postponing a date at Soldier Field and moving it to the suburbs. Bridgeview, I think, is where they played the game. Uh, soccer match. And uh, so the Bears are getting a new field. Bermuda grass is coming in for the opener. So we'll see whether it's uh, it has had a chance to take and uh, and be a, a good playing surface or whether the eyes of the NFL again will focus on the stupidity of Bears management because it doesn't never decided it ought to own its own stadium like most NFL teams do. They thought they would continue to partner with the Park District and for 30-plus years since they pulled the AstroTurf out and put in a natural grass in 88. They have, they've, they've had issues with this. We've seen it for too many damn years to expect it to be any different when the new side comes in. Hopefully it's playable for a little while before it gets torn up and more embarrassing. But J.C. Treader, the president of the Players Association, already has tweeted his displeasure with the safety hazards that are at play when you have a playing surface like that. And that's exactly what leadership in the NFLPA should do. 
when it sees something like that. When, you know, one of the coaches, Andy Reid, says it was slightly better than my high school field. That, you know, that's a chuckle, but it's not funny when you're talking about multi-million dollar investments and footing could be a huge issue. Not good. All right. I said in my uh, in my last podcast, I wanted to to spin around the NFL a little bit and let you know what some of the inter- most interesting stories are to me heading into this 22 season. And the AFC West is is what I want to talk about first because I think it has a chance to be one of the best divisions in the history of the league. And I don't even know what the answer to that question is. Is it a team with three playoff teams in? And I remember only one year when that happened to the Bears, when when they got in, Vikings and Packers both got in. It doesn't happen often where three teams in one division get in. But you can see at least two teams, the best in the AFC West, the Chiefs in, and um, – Oh, the Chargers getting to a Super Bowl, even though the Chargers weren't a playoff team a year ago, but the Raiders uh, have a puncher's chance now that they have the best receiver in the league, in my opinion, and Devontae Adams, and they're not even uh, you know, as, as favored as the Broncos are to win the division. Broncos' third favorite out of the four, but I think the Raiders are going to be an incredibly interesting team to watch. The Chiefs, of course, the favorite to win the AFC West. Will they replace Tyreek Hill? as much as they think they have by the acquisitions of Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquise Valdez-Scantling. Will that be enough help for Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey to get back to playing Chiefs football and scoring all kinds of points and not turning it over on 25% of your possessions as they did the first seven or eight games of last season? Uh, the Chargers... Again, the best non-playoff team in the league last year. The coach needs to get smarter. Brandon Staley, who thought with his pee-pee last year way too regularly, going for it deep in his own end on fourth down. That seems to be a trend in the league, proving why sabermetrics are better left in baseball than in football. But they have an awesome quarterback in Justin Herbert. I, I, I think Herbert is we we know about him certainly guys who gamble on football play fantasy football know about him but he hasn't emerged as the household name in America he should be because his passing skills are elite and what happens when your team doesn't get into the playoffs people forget about you people don't know who you are and the Chargers, second favorite in the division, hope to get a defensive uptick with the acquisition of Khalil Mack. I don't know how much Mack has left in the tank, but that that should help the second-best flying Bosa in getting to the quarterback. The Chargers, plus 225 to win the division. Denver is plus 270. The Broncos... Under first-year head coach Nathaniel Hackett, the cherry-cheeked one, have one of the best running backs in the league in Javante Williams, 22 years old, had 900 yards rushing last year, sharing time with Melvin Gordon, who had, I think, 14 or 15 more rushing yards than did the Rook. And they had the exact same number of carries, 203 carries, That's a really good running game. And Russell Wilson, while I've sold Russell Wilson stock, could be rejuvenated with Hackett 
and the Broncos are, as a result of, of, of Russell Wilson, as much as anything, I think, favored higher, a little bit higher than the Raiders are in that division, but they're picked number three at plus 270, while the Raiders sit all the way back at plus 650. Josh McDaniels getting his second chance to be the headmaster of an NFL team. The Broncos experiment years ago, a disaster. He went 11 and 17, fired before the second year was even up. Did he learn from it? We're going to find out. I, you know, they, they have, they have the makings offensively to be explosive with Devonte Adams, a healthy Darren Waller, not himself last year after getting hurt early on. Josh Jacobs, the running back, not as good last year as I was expecting him to be, but the Raiders endured all kinds of garbage early on. The whole John Gruden uh, scandal, if you want to call it such, and his firing, the Henry Ruggs situation, they had a lot on their plate early on and managed to keep the ship from sinking and backdoor their way into a wild card berth. They lost to Cincinnati in the first round and weren't really very good offensively on that day, but they hung around. And the fact that they got to the playoffs said a lot to me about Derek Carr. I, I, I you know, whether he goes next level, that remains to be seen. But the AFC West is just a stacked division and is going to be so much fun to see shake out this year. When I'm asked to make a Super Bowl pick right now, it's damn tough for me to to think about the best in the NFC. I think about the Chiefs. I think about the Bills, who are the favorite at 6-1 to one right now at Bet Rivers. I don't dismiss the Bengals, even though bettors and odds makers don't seem to be on board with the defending AFC champions. They're at 20-1 to one today. That number is down just a smidge. I saw it at 22-1 to one last week, but apparently a few more people were thinking, hey, the Bengals might be a pretty good buy at 22-1. to one. Now 20-1. to one. I just don't think NFC. And my radio partner locally uh, on WJOB, Vandy, says to me Friday, well, what about Tampa? You gonna, Tom Brady? You gonna dis-? No, I'm not going to dismiss Tom Brady, and I don't make anything of his 10-day absence for personal reasons, other than the fact that if it were Aaron Rodgers, it would have given everybody who has a microphone and a laptop enormous pleasure uh, to dig in and fire away at the NFL's most hated man, it seems like. I'm not so sure whether the Bucs can survive two colossal injuries on the offensive line. They two, they've lost two, two great players for the season up there. And that's a problem. And Brady at 45 has shown no signs of slowing. But at some point, at some point, <laughs> doesn't that have to go bye-bye? Doesn't don't those skills have to erode at some point? The Buccaneers are favored to win the division, the AFC South, uh, more prohibitively than any team in the league. They're minus two seventy eight to win the AFC South. The Saints are next, and then Carolina is way back, and uh, the Atlanta Falcons at plus twenty five hundred uh, to win the uh, uh, NFC South. 
That's the longest shot on the board as uh, as a divisional champion this year at Bet Rivers. If the Baltimore Ravens beat the Washington Commanders this coming Saturday night, Baltimore extends its string of consecutive preseason wins to 23. What's more dubious, winning 23 football games played in August or Crash Davis's minor league record for career home runs in Bull Durham? I think it was 247, wasn't he? didn't want Sporting News to write about it even though uh, Baseball Annie was trying to encourage him to do I wish he would have. I, I, he would have deserved the cover of Sporting News Magazine, as she described. The Ravens missed the playoffs last year. They finished last in the AFC North. That's not John Harbaugh's Ravens that we've come to know for the last dozen-plus years now. Um I would not bet against this team, although I don't trust their quarterback. I bet him to win the division, maybe. But I think I'll go back to the to the thesis, the Bengals aren't getting enough respect. And with the Ravens slightly favored ahead of them, plus, 40, plus 140 to plus 170, I'm going to go with the defending champs and the defending MVP, Joe Burrow. Don't necessarily like Joe Burrow. But if you didn't like what he did last season, you weren't paying attention. I trust him a hell of a lot more than I trust Lamar Jackson. And uh, bad news for opposing front sevens. The Ravens are even better at tight end. Mark Andrews has helped this year. But do you trust the quarterback? I'm not so sure. Broadcast nuggets from around the NFL. Akib Tlaib has withdrawn from Amazon's streaming coverage of the NFL uh, season. Tlaib's brother allegedly shot and killed a youth football coach late last week. Yaqib S. Tlaib, 39 years old, turned himself in Monday morning, this morning, in Dallas. Witnesses said there was an argument between opposing coaching staffs and it was over-officiating, according to reports. Michael Hickman, 43 years old, the coach of the Dragon Elite Academy, was shot in the chest, back, and forearm in Lancaster, Texas, which is about 20 miles south of Dallas. He was DOA when um, emergency rescue vehicle takes him to to the hospital. Nine-year-old kids are now recovering from this in Lancaster, Texas. I don't get political on these shows. I never will. I just, you know, I throw my hands in the air like every other American who cares and wonders when and the F it's going to end. These kids are so damaged. I'm not a man of prayer, but for those of you who are, Send one up for these youngsters that they they are trying to heal from that. Watching their coach fatally shot. Just uh, just unimaginable for me. Amazon is doing Thursday nights this year. Akib Talib steps away. Al Michaels is part of that crew. Just like the naming of NFL Stadia 
You need a guide. You need a program to find out who's broadcasting where this year. Because there have been some enormous changes and shakeups in booths. And finally, ESPN has taken Monday Night Football off of the pay no mind list and spent money on a big time crew. Might not be your favorite crew, but they didn't go on the cheap this time. They didn't give you um, an average talent like Steve Levy. And while a decent broadcaster, a, a guy who's not a household name in Lewis Riddick, they went big this time. The emergence of streaming and Amazon getting Thursday night with Al Michaels, who's going to partner with Kirk Herbstreet, by the way. I'm not so sure how that dynamic is going to play out. There's a lot of change in broadcasting. For me, nothing more, more daily relevant in my life than the new crew on Good Morning Football on NFL Network. I have been an enormous fan of this product since it first launched, I think five years ago now. I'm pretty sure it was in the summer of 17 when Good Morning first uh, Good Morning Football first debuted, and the cast at that time was Chicago native Kay Adams, former NFL wide receiver Nate Burleson, played with the Lions and the Seahawks and I think maybe one or two other teams. Kyle Brandt, Stevenson High School, North Suburban Chicago, and Peter Schrager, a Bruce Springsteen fan from Jersey. Of course, that's kind of redundant. That cast has changed. Kay Adams is gone. Nate Burleson's been gone. He took a gig with CBS Morning News last year, still appears on GFMB. Uh, every GMFB every now and again, but he has a much larger gig. And I had the impression even before Burleson left for that bigger platform, that was what was on Kay Adams's mind. I, I was a huge fan of hers early on, but she's been checked out for some time now. So that she moves on and tries something else is good for her. And it's, it, it's best for the show because the show hadn't been itself since Burleson took off, you you could feel you could feel the absence of chemistry when that quartet first was assembled. It possessed everything I want out of my radio shows, a gaggle of personalities, each with a different role, each accepting that role and the ability to get along and the ability to just be your pal and hang out with those four. It was really, really good. It was really special and something that I don't know if I've experienced on television before. It felt like my favorite radio programs historically have felt when I consume them. But with Kay's lack of interest and her departure, Burleson going on to bigger things, Brant and Schrager remain the only originals left. The new host is Jamie Erdahl. She replaces Kay Adams. And Jason McCourty, 13-year NFL vet, sits in the player's chair, the ex-player's chair. Erdahl is a native of Bloomington, Minnesota. She cut her teeth in the SEC doing sideline work for their number one crew uh, on CBS with Gary Danielson. And Brad Nessler, Brad Nessler, uh, man, forgotten but not gone in terms of uh, the NFL is concerned. Um, 
I'm going to be optimistic about this crew, but I don't love a couple of things about it. In the case of Jamie Erdahl, I was rooting for Rachel Bonetta, who had hosted on occasion in Kay's absence in the last couple of years. She also is a regular on Sunday mornings on NFL Network's pregame, pregame, pregame show. Uh, it's, it's, it's even before the Colleen Wolf show that had, I think Michael Robinson was one of the regulars on that. And Steve Smith had been a part of that panel in recent years. And Steve Smith is a guy I would have liked to have seen get a shot in McCordy's position because he's been paying his dues. Now, maybe it doesn't interest him to play yuck, yuck five days a week. He's a pretty serious dude. McCordy, my early take on him is he's very enthusiastic. He's good looking. He checks the box that is younger people. Remember seeing him play he just retired for crying out loud. I think there's too much of the ex-player factor in broadcast booths where a lot of these viewers and listeners don't know who the F guys are. I never saw him play. He hasn't played since the mid-80s, or he hasn't played since 99 in some cases. Younger guys, they don't. They want somebody they've seen. Jason McCourty does that for you. But where's the apprenticeship? Where's the dues paying? Because to me, that's a pretty big stage. Good morning, football. That's the NFL Network's morning show that is devoured by all 32 teams in the league and all of their players. It's on in every facility in the league. It's on in, in, in workout rooms and gyms all over the country. If you're a football fan, a, a fantasy player in particular, you're going to spend time with good morning football. If you're not familiar with it, where have you been and give it a shot. But uh, I go into that with some optimism, that that's going to be a good crew. I think it's addition by subtraction in the case of Kay's departure. And again, I was originally a huge fan and supporter of hers, got her on our show uh, a few years ago on the score, but uh, she wanted something different. That was that was clearly evident. Hey, thanks for spending some time with me for the Danny Mac podcast. When I get together with you again in a couple of days, going to talk about football movies and which ones my followers on Twitter and friends on Facebook say is their favorite. There were some surprises along the way when I looked at early returns last night after posting early Sunday morning. But um, it's been a tradition of mine for years, whether it's baseball season or football season. When it's going to start to matter very, very soon, grab a couple of those favorite old movies about your sport that make you feel good. For baseball, for me, it's Bull Durham, the pride of the Yankees, Major League. What is it for the NFL? I'll tell you when we get together on the next edition of the Danny Mac Podcast. Sam Michael produces the show. Adam Delavitt from Bet Rivers, thank you for everything. Please spread the word about the new podcast. It's easy to subscribe wherever you find podcasts. You already found it, but tell a friend. It's not as daunting as you think it is, and let's get these baby boomers up to speed on how to use a cell phone. Thanks for listening. I'm Danny Mac. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. 